Blog Talk Radio. Yes, welcome to uh, Conversation on New Jersey Education, uh, a podcast program designed to bring educational leaders in, uh, to you. And hopefully, if you want to participate in our uh, conversation, you can. Uh, if you want to participate, all you have to do is dial uh, 1-347-989-8904, and then press 1 on the button, and Mike, who is working our switchboard, will take your information and put it on to me. We also have a chat room available. Uh, and in the chat room, you just type on in the question or comment that you have, and I will pass it on to our guests. Um, today, uh, I'm excited for our program uh, because it's something new uh, and something that if you would have asked me uh, when I got started in education a little over 20 years ago, I don't think I would have even have thought of as an issue. But we're going to be talking about uh, mindfulness uh, and how you can integrate it into the school. And with me is uh, Alicia DiLorenzo, who's the SAC officer in um, SAC uh, uh, person in uh, Asbury Park High School. Welcome, Alicia. Thank you so much, Ray. What a pleasure it is to uh, join you in this conversation. Uh, Alicia, um, first, how long have you been in education? And tell us a little bit of how you got to uh, to where you are now. I uh, Yeah, great. I started in education um, over 15 years ago, and I started out as a teacher in uh, Bergen County and relocated shortly after I started teaching um, and realized really quickly that I was more uh, adept for taking on the role of of counseling. Students would often come to me as a teacher after class or after coaching, and and, uh, it felt a lot more like I was supporting them in a a social-emotional way all along. And so I uh, became the student assistance coordinator in Asbury Park after I relocated to Monmouth County and have been in that role uh, for almost 10 years now. And uh, it's evolved because in my own growth, my own personal growth, and my own personal practices of yoga and meditation, I've used these tools and these skills to support our students and and their learning. But in order to get to their learning, we had to get through some some social-emotional and mental health issues that were blocking their ability to learn. So it's really my, my role and my position has evolved over the years. So, um, well, before we get into how you integrated it, uh, let's just get a set of platforms so everyone understands. What is mindfulness uh, and uh, how does it help not just students but anyone? So by definition, right, mindfulness is a focused attention in the present moment without judgment. And it helps us to just recenter and come back to what's happening right now. Most of our suffering happens um, when we're thinking about things that have happened in the past or things that are going to happen in the future. And so to be mindful is to just become very present without judgment of what's happening right now um, and, and reduces some of our suffering in that way, in that sense. So it also probably, if you're feeling stressed, it's also a way of reducing stress of- or a technique for reducing stress. Absolutely. So we know that by practicing mindfulness, we increase our attention and our focus and build um, self-compassion and compassion for others, empathy. Um, It also helps support our cognitive functioning and and gives our our brain a pathway to our prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for our reasoning and our thinking and our logic. Um, And when we're in fight or flight, when we're in a stressful situation, our brain gets shut off from that that place where we can access uh, reason and logic and thinking. And so mindfulness helps us have a pathway 
as long as we can practice it when we're not activated by that fight or flight, um, we can access it more quickly when we are activated um, in that fight or flight response. And so um, it absolutely helps students decrease anxiety and test anxiety and stress. Um, it even has been shown to help decrease post-traumatic symptoms and depression. So it's a really powerful tool um, for us to be able to function at our highest level. Okay, let's. Um, what was the trigger at uh, – now, you've been interested in this, and you were a proponent of this for a while. What was the trigger at Asbury Park High School uh, that led you, the school district to start to integrate this? So I had been integrating it long before we, we took it on as a school um, approach, and I knew that there were positive results. I would see that, and I would get the feedback from from my students uh, that it was helpful for them in their lives and, and, and in their homes with the stressors that they were dealing with. But what was different was um, in the 2015-2016 school year when we had had a lot of transition in the, in the district, um, we had an administrator move from the elementary school up to the high school, and she was charged with uh, the 1,002 suspensions that we had had the year before. And because of our administration, formerly uh, Dr. Raffalette as our superintendent and now currently Miss um, Gray as our acting superintendent, uh, because they were open to the idea of, of using mindfulness to address our discipline, uh, we have taken a, a school-wide and district-wide approach. So that first year, we used the high school as our as our pilot, and we were really focusing on the 1,002 suspensions and, and decreasing those suspensions. And while we had success there, we also had success academically and um, climate and, and culture shifts were happening as well. So... Um, that was the trigger. The trigger was those 1,002 suspensions, and then uh, it expanded because of the the results. Uh, and you want me to share the results? Pretty... <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine that would come so, next. What were the results? Uh, uh, how does you know? You explained it a little bit before, but I want you to emphasize this. I mean, because um, these are kids, you know, they're right. teachers, and so first, mm -hmm. um, well, let me back up. How did you get the okay. administration to buy into it? Because it's not every day, at least from my experience, that someone comes into a school principal's office or the superintendent's office or both and says, I have a great, you know, I have a good idea. How did you uh, sell it to them or did they, they were already aware of it and said, let's go in this direction? So it was a combination. Like I said, this had been uh, a practice that I had taken on in my personal life for uh Eight, eight or so years at this point, and I had been asking many times along the way. And uh, like you said earlier when you introduced the, the topic that we're sharing on today, 10 years ago you would have never thought that this would be a conversation that would uh, connect to education, and, and not many educators have seen it in that light. Uh, but when our administration changed, I have to say that the credit goes to the people who finally said yes. So mm -hmm. Dr. Rippolette, um was willing to take a, a chance on this and um, was willing to listen and hear what the benefits could be and knew that we had an issue here that 1,002 suspensions that year was astronomical and we had to do something different. In, in combination with that, Dr. Howard, our uh, Director of Student Services, had returned from a discipline training in, in Las Vegas and had learned 
about a lot of these same topics, restorative practices and mindfulness as a tool in education and um, changing our, our, our discipline paradigm. And when she presented it to me, uh, my jaw hit the floor because finally somebody was speaking the language. And so it was really exciting that we had thought leaders in place in our, our higher administration um, that were change agents and, and um, had a mindset of growth and, and were open to seeing how this could be useful. And, and they wanted to see the results. You know, they said, okay, we'll give you the opportunity. Let's see what it could do. And, and when we got to that point where we were seeing change, it, it became uh, an easy buy. It, at that point, every student we knew needed to have access to this because of the changes that it, it affected at the high school. And I have to also give credit to our, our Board of Education, who um, is fully supportive and open-minded and, and through the leadership of our central office and our central administrators, work so well together to, to be open to this as, as an option. Um, we're really an innovative district at this point, and it takes that. What I love about this is that this is a grassroots uh, approach, and it's also top-down. So finding the people in each building or each district that love this work, that are passionate about bringing mindfulness because they're there. They're in these pockets and schools everywhere, and they're doing this in their classrooms or they're doing it in their counseling offices, and they may not even be known, um, but they love this work, and they'd be willing, I'm sure, because I hear from them all the time, to step up and, and, and expand this in their schools, and then having the support of a central office that's open-minded and administration across buildings that are, are willing to create change. It's a paradigm shift, Ray. You know, this isn't a program or um, a lesson or a, a one-hit shot. This is a, a paradigm shift that really is an integrative, systemic approach. Unfortunately, um, have, after we had that. Yes, and I have to say that I have so many questions. All right, uh, I'll, I'll get to the, the 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 administration was supporting you. Uh, what was the yes. reaction, though? I mean, you still have to get the the staff to to buy in because uh, they have to, you know, they have to. Uh, you know, also uh, be part of this solution. And so what was the reaction of the staff and the reaction of the students? So um, I love that you asked that question because this is like one of my favorite things to, to talk about is that we immediately looked at those discipline issues and we knew we needed to address them and we went gung-ho for them. And it was very early on. Um, so by October, we knew that we needed to support our staff as well. So what we were doing was sending our students back to class regulated and able to have the tools to address their emotions. But what we realized was that as adults, we are dysregulated as well. Listen, I am a, a, a mom to two young boys, and when I'm trying to get dinner ready and I have a second grader who's trying to finish homework and a three-year-old who needs my attention, there's times where I'm dysregulated as well. And, and we all get that way. And we didn't take into account that our staff, you know, there's no – there's no accident that there's half a million educators that leave the profession each year and that our staff are also suffering from stress and, and um, burnout. And so the initial reaction from some staff members was that we were gifting or, or giving a gift to our students that were causing a lot of our discipline issues. Mm -hmm. And, um, we knew that we needed to have a common language and, and everybody needed to understand what the benefit of SEL, social emotional learning and mindfulness was. 
So we supported our staff right away. We started Wellness Wednesdays, which was an, an attempt to give our staff members the support they needed to understand how these social-emotional issues and mental health, anxiety, and depression play a part in education and how students can't take in learning when they are in that, that, that red zone. And then we also, with, with giving, pairing them with education, we, we gave them exposure. So we came in to, they, they came into their, um, their, their common planning times and we would have chair massages for them just as a gift to de-stress. Um, we would do a meditation with them another day. We brought in someone to, you know, teach them about essential oils and how that can benefit their, their health and their wellness. And so we took a real holistic and integrative wellness approach to supporting our staff as well. And that ended up being something that was really helpful to them. So now people walk in and they say, oh, wow, you know, do we really get to do yoga in the middle of the day on our, on our prep period? Yes, we do. <laughs> because we know that if you go back into the classroom more calm and more relaxed, it helps create an environment of, of more safety and more um, calm and peace and, and healthier communities. So while we did have some staff that were questioning our approach, ultimately people are really supportive and excited about being able to benefit from, from this, these practices as well. Well, and I would imagine all teachers, uh, even if you question it, if the learning environment becomes better, uh, right. who argues with success? Um, because that's, a, that's one of the biggest problems most teachers have is creating that good learning environment sometimes. Um, Absolutely. Now, let's, what about the students? How did you start bringing it into the students? Uh, uh, small steps at a time? Yeah, so we started out with those students that were most disengaged, those 25 students that were causing the majority of, of those discipline issues. And, of course, they knew. They knew that they were, you know, um, being recommended for this program because of their history. But what we did was we shifted the, uh, the way that we addressed them. The first day that they walked into the program, we addressed them as our wellness ambassadors because it's oftentimes those students that have a lot of power, and, and sometimes they use it, you know, for good, but sometimes they, they don't. And so we, we started to address them differently and use them. When we had our um, – when, when Asbury Park hosted their um, – the Monmouth County SAC um, meeting each month – the one that Asbury Park hosted, we used those kids instead of our students that were our, you know, our leaders and our part of our leadership programs. We used our, our wellness ambassadors that were part of this alternative learning lab to greet our guests, to walk them down to our media center, to serve them breakfast that morning and share and have breakfast with our guests. So we started using them in a different way in the building and shifting our, our perception of those students and in, in hopes that they would start to shift the perception of themselves. And so while some of them would say they were resistant, they, they you know, had um, some reservations about being a part of the program, they immediately caught on and um, really are feeling the power of the program and, and love the program and feel the benefits, not only in school, but in their homes. So when they're struggling at home, they'll tell us, they'll report that they're using their breathing and they're using um, their, their meditations to address the stress at home as well. So and, the kids are an easier buy oftentimes than the adults, and and uh, yeah. and they they really have they really caught on, and are, are, they they love the program. Well, yeah, I I would totally agree with that because it would be easier to convince my 
my kids to do it than me. Uh, I'd be right. a much harder student. <laughs> I think I almost have you there, though, Ray. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're getting there. Um, so did you bring the kids out of class? Where did you teach them the mindfulness and some of the techniques? Uh, which, are, uh, you know, Asbury Park has a lot of free and reduced lunch, a lot of students with the at-risk issues, but – Stress is felt in all our schools, particularly at high school where, you know, maybe the kids who are in the AP classes are trying to get the highest score they can for the college. So how did you, you know, take the kids, you know, was it in a class? Was it uh, during lunch or how did you start through this? Yeah. So thanks for bringing that point up because I think it's so important for people to hear that this is not just an urban school approach. Um, our the research supports that our most privileged youth are the most emotionally dysregulated across the country. So this is for the kids that are suffering in silence with their anxiety and they're sitting in classrooms and they don't get in trouble, but yet they are um, anxious and, and, and having, you know, um, symptoms of depression start to, to reveal themselves. And this is an approach for them. This is an approach for them as well. Um, with Within our district, we realize that our most high-functioning kids are kids that are in our early college program uh, with Brookdale that will be receiving their, their associate's degree at the same time that they graduate from high school. We're struggling in silence because we look to them to take on a lot of tasks in the building, and um, they have a lot of pressure and a lot of stress. And so this is for every student. It doesn't matter which community, if you're from, you know, a, a, a wealthier community or you're from a, a community that um, struggles with poverty, this is for, across the board, all of our students, and it's a support for them educationally and, and in their lives. So we, like I said, we focused on those most at-risk or most disengaged students to begin with, and we pulled them out of non-core classes uh, one day a week and gave them the Alternative Learning Lab, which was 45 minutes of yoga, meditation, and social-emotional learning. Because we really believe that while we have 25 years of research on social-emotional learning, the research on mindfulness and education is new, but mindfulness is not a new concept. And the synergy of the two together, um, the synergy of mindfulness and SEL techniques, we believe will accelerate the benefits um, in education than those expected through just the social-emotional learning. So at first we started with those students and we did pull them out of class to get this program. But then we took almost a tiered approach this year in our phase two of this rollout. Um, and we have a push into classes, so 15-minute classes for six weeks. So teachers can sign up for uh, this mindfulness six-week lessons where one of our, our uh, staff members goes in and teaches a 15-minute lesson on mindfulness. And um, then the next tier is students can participate during open lunch. So their lunch periods, all the lunch periods have open yoga and meditation classes available. And we have something called the Mindful Moment Room, which our students at the high school level, if they're dysregulated or getting to that point where they're feeling stress or anxiety, they can um, step out of class, go to our Mindful Moment Room, and they have a 15-minute window where they can uh, address what the triggers were, de-escalate the, the feeling, process it through a meditation or some breath work, and they get right back into class. Um, and then for our most at-risk kids that need the most attention, uh, we have them continuing to pull out one day a week. So we have a tiered level for, for, the, for the different needs of the students. 
there's so many questions. Uh, I, I want you to pass on a story. Uh, I, I was at a meeting, uh, and uh, the commissioner, or then your superintendent, uh, talked about that, the, the mindfulness room. Um, when he was walking into uh, the principal's office in uh, the, yeah. the high school. Uh, just could you relate that story? Because I, I think it is sometimes you don't know the impact of something until you actually see it. Yeah. So this is the, the, the moment that I think sealed the deal for um, uh, Dr. Epaulette when he was our, our superintendent. He had been in the high school in the main office, and um, one of our um, – students who really were struggling with anger and struggling with um, his emotional regulation, um, struggling at home with relationship issues within uh, his family. He had a lot going on, uh, really had a hard time staying in class without uh, bursting out emotionally, getting to that boiling point. And he had come down to the main office at the same time that Dr. Repolette was was standing there and he asked our principal and said, I just need five minutes to, to go and do yoga and meditate. And, and Dr. Repolette was standing there and, and watched this. And when the student left, he said, you know, basically, whatever that student has had exposure to, all of our students need. And that, that sealed the deal for him um, in seeing how it was impacting, especially this one student in particular, who we knew and we knew have, has so much potential, but was limited to how his mental health was interfering. And the fact that he was coming out and seeking out the support of, of these um, tools. And today he's a different kid. And we just talked about this this morning amongst ourselves and the administrative team here. He's a totally different kid on a totally different path because he has access to these tools and these skills that are quite honestly saving his life. Um, you know, we talked about how you uh, – uh, you started this, uh, not you, you started a long time ago, but you know, with all the student with the discipline problems and you just needed, I want to say try anything, but you needed to the green light to go. And you had all those discipline problems with just a few students, which is probably pretty common in most schools. Uh, if you boil it down, right. uh, there, there's usually a core students who are having issues. Um, but what were the results uh, after you've integrated all this? Yeah. So, like I said, that first year um, before we did the pilot, the 2015-2016 school year, we had 1,002 suspension days that um, were served in our in our district. I'm sorry, in our high school, and we used our data to drive everything that we did in, in accordance with social emotional learning and mindfulness. And um, looking at our data, students that were of those 1,002 students, over 500 were responsible for 25 of those suspensions, and when we dug into the, the data a little bit further, we saw that every single infraction was related to social-emotional learning, whether it was cutting class or walking out of school or being disrespectful to staff. It had to do with the five competencies that New Jersey has adopted um, as social-emotional learning competencies in our state, and they were put forth originally by CASEL. Um, so we knew that we had to address social-emotional learning, and then we paired that with um, with mindfulness. And so this year, uh, no, I'm sorry, the following year, so the year of the rollout, we had reduced our discipline to 472, and currently we are hovering around 200 um, suspension days, and that is within 
uh, a two-year time frame. So our discipline has decreased drastically. And the students that were originally part of that 25, that cohort, they are not even on our radar for discipline today. They oh, um, are, yeah, yeah, they're not even on our radar. So we absolutely know that this, in, a com- in combination with several other things, so we've also worked really hard as a district to increase our, our reading levels and, and um, in combination with our SEL and our mindfulness program and building culture and climate, we really have addressed um, the issues that we knew this would be, you know, successful uh, in addressing. I want to piggyback on that a little bit because the initial reason to to get audited started was the discipline problems. And I think you help give students uh, and maybe even some of the adult teachers uh, a coping mechanism for dealing with some of the stress and some of the issues that they had. Uh, But what about um, the the academic? Uh, I I know uh, there were some academic uh, uh, benefits from this too because the some coping issues probably would help there. Right. So I have two examples. One, we had a teacher who really bought in very early. She had also been incorporating in some small way in her classroom um, breathing and breath work and and visualization uh, before tests and exams and so when we started rolling out at the high school this approach she she took it on with fidelity and so before class started before her lesson started she would guide her students in some breathing practices before an exam she would guide them through a visualization of seeing them seeing the, the students seeing themselves um, getting all the answers on the test right and, and worked with them in, in, with breathing and meditation. And so she really used the skills that we taught the teachers how to incorporate the breathing, the yoga, and she used them throughout her class. And when we looked at her Linkit scores, which are the, the tests to prepare students for the park, um, she had a 17% increase from the beginning of the school year Linkit test to um, the, the mid-year uh, test that they took after incorporating all of these mindfulness approaches in her class. So there was a 17% uh, academic gain. And what the research shows us is that just incorporating SEL, there is an 11% academic gain. Three years out, students who received social-emotional learning and access to social-emotional learning um, still surpassed their teen percent higher academically than the peers who were never introduced to SEL. And... um, we saw that. We saw that in academics. But we also saw with our most high-achieving students, the students that are working towards their degree with um, in Brookdale, their early college program, the first year we didn't address those students. Our first cohort, we didn't address their social-emotional necessarily. We were going right at their academics. And then the year that this rolled out, we had our, we had our second cohort in uh, the high school at that point. We did a leadership retreat with them. So three days over the summer, they went away, we took them out into the woods, and they camped out, and, and um, we, we taught them coping skills and breath work and meditation and yoga and team building. Um, while our first cohort really struggled with the early college program and, and were getting um, grades that were below their, their level of ability, our second cohort, every one of them are on the, the honor roll, and they're much more bonded and both cohorts now, because we included both cohorts in that um, that leadership retreat, both cohorts are really 
um, sailing and, 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 and flying high with their, their academics. So we saw that it impacted academics with our, again, our most high-functioning students, and it was increasing significantly our academics with our students who were struggling. We had one student who um, took the Rutgers um, health exam, so it's a college-level exam. He was in our first cohort. He got the highest score of any kid that took it. He got a 98. And and that, that I mean, that's a huge difference from where particular students that I'm talking about were coming from. Wow. Um, all right. We've been talking about the high school. Uh, my understanding is that you're expand, you've expanded this. Uh, uh, how young can you go with something of this sort? We are going all the way. So we have expanded uh, a district-wide rollout of social-emotional learning and um, mindfulness as young as our pre-K. And as you know, we go all the way up to our, our high school, our 12th grade. So our pre-K students are engaged in breathing activities and um, mindfulness. Um, our elementary level students are guiding daily intentions and, and breath um, breathing practices over the daily announcements every morning. And that's student-led. So we are now passing the baton on to our students empowering them to facilitate with their peers these practices. We um, are reaching out into our families and our communities. We have a breathing ball that we use. It's called a Hoberman sphere, really, but we, we call the breathing ball here. And as the students are um, guiding the breathing over the announcements in the morning, their teachers or a, another student in the classroom are using the breathing ball to just help keep help students on track with their breathing and pacing their breathing. We also give the breathing ball to our students as early as pre-K. We send them home with it to um, document how they are sharing what they're learning about their breath and how to use their breath with their families. So end of sharing with their parents and they're drawing pictures of their families using the breathing ball or they're taking pictures, you know, the families are taking pictures and sending them back in to the teachers um, showing how the as young as pre-K are going home and, and teaching their families how to breathe. It's really incredible and it's inspiring that we believe we're changing a generation. Uh, what was the parents and the, the, and the family's reaction, uh, partic particularly maybe the first year because that's very new, but as you expanded it, uh, I'm sure was it like the kind of like the teachers because you're talking mostly about adults here. Uh, some of them right. were a little bit more jaded than others. So, like I said, I have been incorporating this in my small way as a SAC um, over the last eight, ten years, and we have attempted to bring this into the district previously, and, and 10 years ago, this was not a popular idea. There was resistance, I remember, then. I can't say that we are facing resistance at all, really. I'm, we did have a few teachers, like I said. Um, I've had some private conversations with some parents who just wanted to know more, and we really are um, intentional about keeping this brain-based there is research and, and neuroscience that supports the changes in the brain that happen with mindfulness and using mindfulness. And so we are really brain-based at, at the school level. Um, focus, that's the language that we use. We use language that's scientific. 
We talk about the brain. We talk about the changes. We talk about the neuroscience. And we, we help students and their, and their parents um, understand the impact on the brain. So I think because of that, because that's the way that we are approaching it at a, at a school level, um, there hasn't been. We haven't really had any resistance. Our Board of Education as well, our, our board president, uh, Ms. Angela Abez-Anderson, incredibly open-minded, incredibly um, supportive because we're supporting this with research, because we're letting people know and we're enlightening people about how um, poverty changes the brain, how that changes how students learn, how they interact, how they react, and how the research supports that mindfulness can interfere with the, the trauma that students have experienced um, in order to have better outcomes in life. So we really, as far as resistance, I can't say that we have any. I'm really grateful for that, and, um, and that's across the board. Um, I have a couple of more questions. Uh, one, um, maybe this is more of a comment, uh, these things that the kids are learning – uh, the mindfulness and the, the coping skills and the techniques. Uh, this is really a life. It's a life skill. It's not something that they'll use just for a couple of years. It's something that'll probably stay with them their whole lives. Absolutely. Hopefully. Yeah. Even uh, you know the 21st century you know learning looks at the the social emotional skills that we're teaching students as as some of the top indicators for what. Um, businesses and employers are looking for in um, hiring, you know, hiring uh, people to be a part of a a workforce team. So we know that this impact is far beyond um, education, that these are life skills and that this will lead to ultimately uh, life success and, and, and happiness and fulfillment. So we know that the impact of this is far reaching and um, has the capacity to transform lives. Okay, Alicia, you're probably not the only educator in New Jersey that likes uh, uh, likes to use the mindfulness and thinks is a big proponent of it. But there's probably others in other districts that want to get it started in their school or their classroom. Uh, what are some recommendations you have if you were going to start this at, say, at another school? Uh, a staff member came up to you and asked you. What I say always to everyone is one thing that we took away that we learned, and I more than alluded to it here, was that we wanted to address student behavior and we went right for addressing our students' behavior and and using our students as our first cohort. But ideally, anybody who is interested needs to start with a common language among the adults in the building, uh, the administration, and giving exposure, just simply starting to offer so that people can, adults, can start to embody, have an embodied experience of what this is. And it's inevitable that for most people, they will walk away from a a mindfulness um, session or a yoga session or a meditation session um, feeling much more um, at ease than than they did walking in. And so this isn't something that at the at the beginning can be forced. It's just something to keep exposing staff to, exposing administrators to, creating a common language, creating a common understanding of the why. Why are we doing this? Why are we introducing this? You know, a lot of times 
uh, adults will come back and say, I, I don't have time for this. This is that warm, fuzzy stuff that takes away from academics. And my answer always is, you don't have time to not do this. And um, they start to understand better when they start to understand the way the brain is, is hijacked and how that's impacting their students and how we are. It, our students are no different from us as adults. We experience mm-hmm. the same, you know, ebbs and flows of dysregulation with our emotions. And so when we start, I would say to anybody, start with your adults, start with your staff, give them the opportunities to feel the impact of this so that they can then, and it's the same chain from central office to administration, administration modeling for teachers, teachers then going into the classroom and modeling for students. Start with your staff, put a concerted effort in intentionally giving them opportunities to experience this and learn more about it. That's the first step. (laughs) (laughs) And and then the second step, I guess, is build on your successes. Uh, Yeah, building capacity, really. I mean, looking for those pockets of people that are already in your buildings that love this work, that are – and it's anybody who has come to me after I've spoken uh, anywhere around the state and they've called me afterwards – They'll say, I love doing this. I've been doing this all along. But they're hidden. Like nobody knows that you have that secret right. yoga teacher, you know, that teaches social studies or math. And finding those people, building capacity with those people that are passionate about this, creating wellness teams so that you can collaborate um, amongst the people that are really passionate about this work to create a, a plan. Take, a, take a, 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 a needs assessment of your building what your building needs. We're rolling this out in five buildings, but each building has very different needs. And so we're looking at each building and customizing the experience for each building to what their culture needs. So it's really important Uh, to to use the data to drive where you're going. And I I would guess, kind of like you gave the example of the teacher who was trying to use some of the breathing techniques within her own classroom almost, Mm -hmm. almost secretively, but there's probably a lot of those teachers who now feel empowered to use it. If you open it up, they feel more empowered to use it uh, more completely than they might have in another situation. Yeah, they do. They are. There's a lot of people that are feeling empowered to to do this now, and um, they're the change agents. You know, those are the ones that are are going to think outside the box and be a model for what else is possible. Um, in education and in classrooms and in schools and, and in school districts and in communities. And the healing work is going to start with, with them as long as they have the agency to do so, you know, as long as they have the support of, of administration to um, move forward in this because it's needed. You know, it's needed for them to be supported and, and feel like they have the agency to, um, do, to bring out these practices uh, in their classrooms. The other uh, thing, Ray, I really think is – important. I just want to jump in and say one more thing about that is that this is really an inward journey first. I came to this because of my own inward journey and own inward um, experience with my practices of yoga and meditation and mindfulness. And so part of this is a shift of paradigm for teachers and how they address their own mental health and their own um, social emotional competence. And so there is a component of this that is an inward intrinsic kind of paradigm shift for adults to clear their uh, baggage and leave it at the door to enter into the education realm and the, and the classroom in a way where they're more clear. So there is a self-reflective piece to this. Okay. And, you know, we started off and I said this and I, I probably, it's probably, it's a major shift 
and I don't know if we could have had this conversation 10 years ago, uh, but uh, I think now maybe there's more stress in our schools now with the testing result, you know, demands and the uh, the, uh, the other school violence and everything else. Maybe there's we're more ready and open to uh, programs like this. So I, I just want to thank you, uh, Alicia, uh, for joining me on this program. Uh, and if anyone has any questions, uh, I'll pass them on to Alicia if you want to email me. I'm sure she'll be more than happy to give you advice uh, in this area. So thank you, Alicia. Great. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. And, and um, I'm so grateful to be able to share this and spread this. And, and I'm absolutely available and um, willing to share because I do think this has the power to heal and transform um, communities and change lives. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, that brings us to the end of the program. I hope everyone enjoyed it, uh, and have a good afternoon.